It's undeniable that church is changing because of our relationship to technology. At Faithlife, we have a front row seat to that change as it unfolds across thousands of churches of all traditions and sizes, because we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. My name is Kristen Tete, and I make things here at Faithlife because ministry is in my blood. I'm a millennial, but don't turn off the podcast. It just means I'm a digital native, so I can help you. Technology is a tool, but a tool without a purpose is useless. So in the Equipping the Church podcast, we'll not only teach you how to use some of the technology you might already have, we'll help you apply what you learn to your context. A church is so much more than a building. It's a body of believers who come together in times of need to lift one another up. Today, you'll hear the story of a local church who responded to the need of someone in their community in a big way. This is a story that chokes me up as I tell it, and we hope this encourages you in the work you do at your church. our team put on a workshop in Florida to help churches learn how to use the latest technology. A handful of churches came, laptops and iPads in tow, and we set up our little tech hive in the fireside room of a church that the pastor built with his own hands. We were well into the day and had already walked through how to build online community and reach people where they are. Side note, technology is really good at helping you reach people where they are. We got to the part of the day where we were walking around church by church to teach them how to do things like spruce up their websites and set up sermon podcasts and start mobile giving. I sat down next to two women who had been eagerly taking notes during the presentation. And I told them they looked alike and they looked at each other and they laughed. And one said, well, we should. She's my daughter. Turns out their whole family does ministry together at their church. Isn't that amazing? They came to the workshop because they wanted to know how to get the most out of Faith Life Proclaim, our church presentation software. They also wanted to give us some suggestions about the kinds of graphics they wanted to see more of in the software. If you use Proclaim and you love the abundance of communion graphics we now have, you can thank this mother-daughter duo for that. While I was working with them, I asked them about their church. What was it like? What do they do in the community? Before I knew it, they were telling me one of the most remarkable stories of generosity I've ever heard. I'm not kidding. This is the story that inspired this podcast. And it's the story I carry with me as I think about the power of the local church. I asked them if I could share this story with you, and they, being the generous people they are, said, of course. While she'd never attended the neighborhood church herself, she'd drop her 11-year-old son off at youth group, stopping for a moment to talk with the pastors, a husband and wife who started this church on the wrong side of the tracks on purpose. She mentioned once that she wasn't interested in church, but she knew her son needed structure. She was a very committed mom. She made huge sacrifices for her son, but the skills and support she needed to truly care for him were always just beyond her. A few years would pass before she revealed that past trauma she'd experienced made her feel like a lost cause, but she knew her son wasn't. 
Each week, they could smell the alcohol on her breath as she dropped him off, her car just barely missing the parked cars as she left the church parking lot. And despite her own vices, she faithfully brought her son to youth group. When the pastors heard what happened, they rushed to the county jail to be with her. She'd been driving the night before, and a couple of cars were playing chicken, not her. When one of the cars swerved, her impaired reflexes didn't move fast enough to get out of the way. The driver in the swerving car didn't survive the crash. In the jail, the pastors listened as she remorsefully recounted the details of the crash. She said that people who had done what she'd done go to jail for a long time. She explained that she was the only family her son had. They had no support system. What would happen to her son? She'd worked so hard to give him a better life, and she didn't want him to go to foster care. Who would take care of her son? That question hung in the air. Who would take care of her son? The pastors looked at each other and said, We'll take him. As a church, we'll take responsibility for raising your son while you're in prison. And so she transferred guardianship to the pastors, and that night he moved in with their family, and the church wrapped its arms around him. Every day they drove him to the school he knew, even though it was out of the way, just so he didn't have to switch schools. When he needed glasses, the church took an offering. When he wanted a skateboard like every other kid, they took an offering. He experienced family vacations as he was folded into the annual trips of members of the church. Each month, someone drove him the four hours to visit his mom, and on the four-hour drive back home, they helped him sift through what he'd just experienced. He became a teenager while his mom was in jail. He got jealous when he saw healthy families, and he acted out because he was just learning how to express his feelings. He tested the adults in his life for their reliability. The underlying question was always, can I count on you? And while he was angry, the church, which had now become his church, responded with love, with gentle answers, and with firm boundaries. Meanwhile, his mom worked hard for her sobriety, and in the process, she got her life right with the Lord. Years later in her testimony, she'd explain it this way. I saw love in action when someone said they'd take care of my child. When her jail sentence was up, the church made sure she came home to new running shoes, pajamas, slippers, and a brand new set of sheets. She was reunited with her son, now entering his first year of high school. The Sunday after she was released from prison, the pastor looked out on a changed congregation a congregation whose hearts were enlarged through sacrifice. And that pastor's eyes rested on the family who'd given his church that gift, the mother and son who sat in the front row. That mother would know the joy of seeing her son finish college, make vows to love and cherish another person, and become a father himself. The love of God intervened in her life, in his life, in all of their lives because of the generosity of a church called First Love. 
When I asked one of the pastors of First Love Church what prompted her church to offer to take responsibility for that 11-year-old boy, she said, we've all experienced grace and we'd simply like to offer that to others. This story of a local church is such a visible and beautiful display of generosity. It reminds me of Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So what's your church's generosity story? Take a moment and share it with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. My name is Amber Smith, and I co-produce the Equipping the Church podcast. One of the cool things we get to do here at Faith Life is make Ministry Team Magazine, which is full of helpful tips and articles from interesting thinkers. Kristen and I both read the Winter 2019 Ministry Team article about specific ways you can make life easier for both your congregants and your church staff during tax season. If you haven't read the article, I recommend you take a look. It focuses on simplifying year-end giving statements something all churches in the U.S. are required to provide to those who tithe and give above and beyond contributions. Kristen, what was your reaction to the article? Well, my first reaction was if you can provide automated giving statements, it's a good idea Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's a relief to all, uh, all of you out there who are bookkeepers and church admins. I mean, think about all of the tasks that go into creating annual giving statements. First, you pull the annual giving history of one person or in some cases a family, making sure that every gift is accounted for. So you create a spreadsheet of all the givers, the addresses, and the total contributions. And then you mail merge the info in that spreadsheet into a sea of individual and family giving statements. You print them and then you mail merge again the addresses <laughs> onto envelopes. You get postage and then you stamp all of the letters, which probably means that you've pulled in volunteers at that point. And then you drop off all of those letters at the post office. Or if you're like my church, you have the post office come to you, which is really wonderful, but also another step. So I don't know. I counted like eight steps in yeah, there, right? There's about eight steps. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is something that we hear all the time from churches can take them weeks to do uh, with automated giving statements. That's one step. And if you choose to print out those automated giving statements and send them, that's maybe at most four steps. Um, So sounds like it's better to do automated giving, right? Yeah. So bottom line, you can save a lot of time through automated statements, which means more time for the ministry you love, which is what we really care about here at Faith Life. If you don't have automated statements, try Faith Life Giving at fl.vu slash giving etc. Today's podcast is brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. Subscribe and go behind the scenes of equipping the church at faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. Our goal is to equip the local church, so let us know how we're doing. 
We're experimenting with this podcast and we'd love your help. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you tune in. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.